Greetings, friends. Welcome to A Good Conversation, our weekly dive into all things regenerative. If you, like us, are curious about where ideas behind regenerative agriculture and regenerative farming, how these might translate to regenerative business and regenerative culture at large, then you're in the right place. Uh, as it says on the tin, it's a good conversation. At least we hope it is. If you're interested in participating in that, join us live as we record it each week. Failing that, enjoy it here. Sit back, get a cup of tea, lie down and enjoy a good conversation. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. So um, in the true spirit of these conversations, which we set up at the beginning by just having a conversation and decided that we would press record, uh, I have abs- done absolutely no preparation for this whatsoever, other than writing last week's email. Um, and I didn't even think about it until about, I don't know, six minutes ago, because I've also today had launched a course. And so today was the first day of the course. Um, so my head has been elsewhere. But I did just quickly read the email that we wrote to each other the other day. And I know, uh, yeah, you pretended to be ill last week, so you couldn't join us, uh, leaving Niels and Tom and uh, Sean and a few others to have have our conversation. And I know where we kind of ended up was actually talking about, um, Niels, you started to talk about the, uh, the kind of thinking behind the farm of the future. Uh, and that being the thing that you were working towards, that being the heart of your kind of proposition, your your idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seemed like a good place to start today was uh, where we finished last week, um, and which is also not about me talking, it's about you, which is good. Um, so you can you can expand on this idea of the farm of the future. Yeah, easy. Good. <laughs> well, you've got about 20 minutes, and then I've got to go do the school run. <laughs> so, uh, um, I think we were talking last week about uh, also the definition of regeneration. And, um, and that's it's not only about soil or agriculture, but it's also about community. It's also about society and uh, economy. Um, and in that light, um, I said, well, we, we should think about how the farm of the future looks like. Is it still the, 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 the 20 acres or 2,000 acres of land uh, with a farmhouse on it and a farmer? with his family and a huge fence fence around it Uh, or is it something else well of course we think it's something else but but what it will be uh, that that's still that's still a process so we know for sure that uh, that there is going to be food involved so we're going to grow food Um, but then the community should also be involved and I think, uh, uh, especially with the, the crisis and the corona, uh, a lot, a lot of, lot has changed how people, how people look at food and uh, are prepared to uh, drive a little bit further or, or to different farmers to get food. So in that that light, uh, yeah, we we just started to think. Yeah, we we started to think of. A, what is what is the farm going to look like? Our farm, but but maybe many 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 more farms across the world. And um, so I'm also very curious about uh, how you guys think about that, uh, Tom and Chris, uh, and you, yeah. 
Well, there is some, some insights from the last week, I think, when we talked about it. And um, a lot of people in the food chain um, movement is talking about this, this short supply chains or sh short food chains. Um, so we have to, um, um, it's farm to fork. But the other way around, when we started this farm or the idea for the farm, we had a lot of inspiration from the usual suspects like Joel Salatin, Richard Perkins, uh, all, all, uh, Charles Dowling, um, um, looking Mark Shaver. Um, but in Holland, we have a lot of farmers too. And we call this regular farmers who are in this old industrial uh, system. But there are also a lot of farmers who are, who are making some transition to more nature-inclusive farming or call it biodynamic or organic or regenerative. And then I thought, okay, so they are doing what they really like to do, farming in, um, with nature. And on the other hand, we have a movement of people saying we have to make this food chain shorter. And then I thought, I don't think farmers are the people who can make this chain shorter, but the movement is looking to farmers also to, well, let's um, have, have the, the consumers on the farm buying your stuff, but they have to organize a lot for it to do this. So that is also a, a little insight that I thought, okay, this, this future farm isn't not only about a farmer who's producing food. So it's, it's, it's a whole team or it's, there are more people, organizations um, involved uh, on this piece of land um, who all have the same um, goal, purpose. That's, um, well, let's say, maybe simple uh, people, planet, and, and profit. So, and maybe planet first, then people, and then profit. Mm -hmm. So that's my insight from the last week. Yeah, Chris. I was just raising my hand politely. I'm not sure what the etiquette is for asking a question. So just speak. Of, just speak, okay, <laughs> talk over people, perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really intrigued by uh, this this idea of, of farm to fork, the, the shrinking of the distance. Now, at least in the UK, farming is out there, whereas in the city and the urban areas, you know, we all we see is a plastic package thing on a shelf. Now, if the future is shrinking that distance, it's 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 not just a physical distance; is it? it's a it's a, it's a mental attitude distance as well. If we, how do we? close that gap physically and mentally so that we got people on the farms because it, the more farms I talk to them, the more I find that, that you won't find any of them who'll disagree that more nature is a good thing and that they're on the front line of, of the climate crisis. And if we need to get people bought into solving these problems, we need to get them on the farm, but can you, can you physically bring farms closer to the city? No, because they need all the space. So there's a paradox in that as well. I don't know what the answer to this is. It's just a collection of thoughts as you can probably guess. So what are your thoughts and my thoughts? Yeah, quick reaction is, um, so now farms produce food or parts of food and they distribute it to, uh, uh, well, to, to the consumer to say, there's a, there's a lot going on in between, but uh, 
So the farmer reaches out to the consumer, but the consumer doesn't bring something back to the farm. So that's the first thing. So we, we decided that maybe it's a good idea. It's also because we need to, to, cl to close loops that maybe um, the, the, our, our customers should also bring back this, the scraps, the, the food scraps and, uh, to the farm so we can use it again uh, to feed the, 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 the soil. Um, and then uh, there's loads of other ideas that we can make up to get the consumer to the farm. And one of us that we, well, we said, to, maybe we need to uh, write a, a child's book. Mm. Then you get in the whole kids thing and nature. And uh, so parents go miles for their kids. Mm -hmm. You make time for your kids. So that, that's, that could be a thing that maybe we should also uh, educate start at the beginning and are, are very youthful kids, two, three, four years old, with, with bedtime stories about the farm. I like it. Let's radicalize some children. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, McDonald's is exactly the same. So why should we? Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And then when we were talking about this uh, last week, because this was some of what we were talking about last week, about how you kind of affect this, how do you affect the change? How do you get people to engage with this differently? And Tom, you were you were kind of sharing your kind of insight, your own sort of journey being a kind of deeply sort of personal one. And uh, mm -hmm. the, kind of, the, the, the kind of learning, the realisation comes from your own process of kind of change and, and kind of learning. And somehow everything needs to connect back to this. How do you kind of inspire the individual to be able to kind of feel the benefits of these, of everything that is being spoken about in the regenerative movement? <clears throat> Yeah, um, as as Chris just said, uh, you know, where how do you, how does this transition occur? I mean, you got highly dense areas and cities, and you got farmland. Um, there's a major disconnect between you know uh, you know wants and necessities, and for the majority of people, that is, you know, and it, it relates back to the way they live, their lifestyle, their mentality. You know how they just view everything um and i posed the question to uh neil's or everybody but it said you know what what were to happen if everybody just woke up at the same moment and said okay i'm gonna i'm gonna focus on nutrition i'm gonna you know i'm gonna i'm gonna buy direct from farms uh you know organic farms be it or i'm gonna shop differently i'm just gonna uh you know remove you know like the mentality of buying things in the grocery store just you know forget that there's 80 percent junk in the grocery stores if you will and just buy wholesome you know could could the market withstand that at the moment i mean that's kind of what we're we're pitching here is how how, how do you make all that happen and get everybody involved because i mean in, in theory not everybody's going to be a farmer but at the very least you can support this way of life, at least from a health standpoint, if, if nothing more, you know, you support it with dollars. And there's a lot of patience that's involved. I mean, I, I mean, I don't seem, who knows, I mean, I might get involved more directly, practically with farms, but you know, I, uh, for Chris, that you don't know, I work with a company called Black Earth Compost and we recycle food waste. Uh, I'm in the Boston, Massachusetts area. So, and we return this back to, uh, to people that subscribe with us for free. Uh, we also uh, bag and resell it and, you know, we sell it to farms and stuff. So we're, we're closing the loop in that sense, but 
it, it, I, it, it is a complexity as to how do you, you know, as Neil, uh, Neil just said too, it, the education part probably starts at the very lower levels. That's where we find a lot of success with composting uh, is, especially when we bring it into school districts and stuff, you know, the high schoolers are there on their phones. They don't care about composting, but the elementary schools succeed really well. Um, it's certainly not an overnight thing that would happen, uh, it, but you know, you have a lot of pressures from globalism coming down. I don't want to say preventing this movement, but it's making a lot of challenges because you've got industrial farming activities that, you know, don't want to relinquish control to what really should be the way. Uh, there's a community I haven't visited uh, in Western Massachusetts. It's called the, uh, you know, post it. I want to visit it when things change. It's called the serious community. And, and there's probably other communities worldwide, uh, you know, globally, uh, but they're a, uh, a sustainable community. They grow their own food organically. They build their own structures. You can either participate on the weekends. You can live right on campus. Uh, and it's what would be in, in relative to Boston. It's a, you know, uh, very rural and, you know, farming type community, you know, within the town. And that's sort of the epitome of working together. Um, and it's one just small little group of people, you know, relatively speaking. So, you know, everybody's sort of, but, but you know, what I picked up on it, what was great about it is they're, they're rotating duties. So everybody's learning something about the community and participating in it. So one day everybody's doing, say, carpentry work, everybody's doing, or, you know, organic farming or just laboring work, but they're rotating their responsibilities. So everybody knows how the whole system works, which is key too, you know? So I, if anybody wants to chime in, I'm just sort of going off the top of my head here, but. I'm, kind of, I'm curious um, because I think one of the things we've been has come up in the conversations over the weeks and is kind of building a little bit is is you know clearly which is the kind of the giant question is how do you how did how is this change facilitated what happens that you know what are the what are what is the sequence of events what is what are the triggers what are the kind of catalysts which make this happen and, and I was just thought that there were two things that were coming up for me as you were talking there Tom one was you know, what's the role of the big company uh, in this? I know you spoke about the kind of big company from the sort of industrial agriculture point of view and they're not wanting to kind of relinquish control. Uh, and of course, you know, so what is the role for the big company? Is there a role for the big company or is the big company just not helpful because they are only focused on, you know, maintaining their position is kind of the, the one question. And then the other question is, you know, actually is, um, because one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking last week, Tom, was this idea of, you know, kind of things that you might do, which start to kind of get people to sort of to slow down and engage with their own kind of personal change journey on it. But then I was thinking there, you know, actually is the composting diagram, the com the composting kind of picture that it paints, is that a way actually of bringing understanding of these principles much more widely into the city? Is there an opportunity in that to be one of the things that people do that helps people start to make a connection more to these regenerative ideas? Is that something that more people should focus on? Uh, I think I think it, it is occurring in that fashion, especially we due to the pandemic, we saw a huge uptick in just subscribers, uh, residential subscribers. We went from 10,000 subscribers to 20,000. 
in one year's time. And the business has been around for 2011 and people becoming more aware. And I think that, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a starting point for people to sort of wake up and realize, well, geez, you know, if I do this and this, I can start connecting the dots. Cause you know, with my personal journey, it took, it took a, uh, what, what I might deem as my own personal traumas to sort of wake up and well, say, okay, wait, no, I'm not, it's, it's me. I'm not, I'm not doing the right things here. I can't just blame the externals and say, you know, I got to take some accountability. Um, you know, some people, when you talk about the mindset, it almost seems as if, you know, like the, you know, uh, people don't realize they need insurance until it's too late, but people sometimes don't realize they need to wake up until when, you know, really bad things start to occur and say, geez, you know, maybe I don't want, I gotta, I gotta really change what I'm doing. And some might not even come to that conclusion. They might just, you know, stay on the hopeless trail of, well, it's nothing I could have done. Some will see it differently and, and, and do it differently. But, you know, from just the composting aspect, there is, uh, I, I think people are connecting the dots. It just the, environmentally, people are being more conscious about there's too much plastic, just little things that help bring it full circle. You know, they might not connect all the things. And, you know, my mind starts to get overwhelmed too, because that's sort of how I think. And I have this need to want to organize, you know, these substrates and, you know, how they rely on one another. But, yeah, um, it's sort of a bottom-up approach, uh, the composting, or re- I don't know if it's reverse, it's just part of the circle, I guess, where you enter into the circle is where you enter in. Because uh, yeah. I think this, and I know uh, someone, uh, Yap Anils, that you've kind of mentioned before and is kind of floating around uh, in sort of LinkedIn land, Mark Mark Ank, uh, who's got the Decade of Action, I don't know. So he was. They, they were. They were trying to identify, weren't they? Like a small number of things which uh, had uh, like sort of systemic change effect. Because everything's sort of talking about is how do you affect this whole system change in how people think and how they behave. Um, I'm kind of curious. I mean, what do what do any either of you other any other guys think around the role of big companies in this? Is there a role for big companies in this or not? That's the. I think it's a very difficult question. Um, Sorry, you got about six minutes. <laughs> no, but it, it's of course they have um, have a role in this um, to accelerate maybe or um, to 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 support uh, small actions of of smaller groups of people. I I think so. L- last last week we had a uh, uh, conversation with an uh, impact investor. And she was mentioning that um, the hospital um, um, right around the corner uh, from the, 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 the future farm, um, they want to uh, make um, healthier food for their um, uh, doctors and nurses, et cetera, for their, for their um, employees. And I think we didn't know, and they don't know that we are going to start a farm on the corner, at their corner. And um, um, if, if we make that connection, I think uh, it's, um, um, it can accelerate because we have uh, a big, a big uh, company, uh, and this is a hospital, that supports us, that can help us to start up this farm. And the other way around, we, uh, we um, uh, can, can, can give a lot of people healthier food. So I think in this in this way, big companies and organization can be the accelerator 
of, of, of this movement. But on the other hand, I don't think big companies are the, are the ones that start the fire. So uh, yeah. they are the fuel to, 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 to lighten it up. And we are, we and other pioneers, they are the, the, the ones that, that, that starts um, building this, uh, this uh, fires, campfires. But, um, but how do you look at, so I read a thing that PepsiCo is, is going to invest in, uh, in uh, regenerative agriculture in the States. It's a massive amount of land that they're going to, well, change to regenerative practices. But and I, so I read it, and it's of course it's a, it's a, you can can view as it as a really positive thing. But I'm not sure if it is in the end. So yeah. is it just a marketing strategy? And because uh, they're probably going to use the land for. Uh, growing potatoes mainly and creating potato chips what isn't particularly healthy or nutritious um, so in law I have to see what it's going to mean in the long term for them to be regenerative and help farmers to um, and I'm worried about that because the business model of PepsiCo is still getting huge amount of profits <laughs> yeah, and that's I think that's the difference between uh, organizations that can accelerate the movement, so they they uh, support the, the existing movement, or organizations that that you are using the movement to um, um, maintain uh, a little bit of a, a big part of the status quo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that's you, you can call maybe green or regenerative washing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so and that's different, but and and it's it's. Up to the organizations to choose one, what part they want to play in this movement. Um, but I think they can play a big part to accelerate. Yeah, it's interesting because I, my, I was asking the question uh, a little bit selfishly because I was having the conversation on the weekend with, like, so my kids do sport, I have to stand around while they try and do sport on the weekend. And uh, so I was talking to one of the other uh, dads. And so he he's a very senior guy in Nestle, right? So they basically sell water is what they do, really. You know, uh, I don't know, Evian, all of those guys. They're basically, you know, they're selling water. And so I was talking to him about, and, you know, he's a nice guy and is a, a, a well kind of, you know, he's a well-meaning guy. He's also very, very senior in, in Nestle. And, uh, you know, for like five minutes, we were having a conversation around, uh, these kind of regenerative ideas. And he, he's always interested in the projects that I'm working on. So we always have a bit of a conversation around that. But I, and so I was kind of curious because we sort of touched it and I was asking what they were doing, you know, what Nestle is doing. And same, like you're talking about Nils with, with Pepsi. You know, I think he's saying that there is a lot of kind of interest in it within the organisation. But I, I don't think they know really what it means for them either. Um, but it's kind of, so yeah, I, I'm kind of, curious for myself the reason I asked the question is I am also trying to work out well what actually should you try and get these companies to do or to your point Niels is it actually at the end of the day are they not actually going to be able to contribute anything positively because really their interest is in sustaining the status quo or how you kind of reconcile those those things yeah so I'm afraid we need to change how business is being done and regulation and responsibility. So when a company is responsible for the source, 
and is responsible mm. for their waste and is responsible for the products they sell. So then, then maybe things start changing, but that's not the case in this moment. So, so yeah, when that's not the case, I find it very hard to, to trust these companies that have shown in the last couple of decades that they're not pretty interested in, in how, how people are, how they treat the environment, how they treat people. And, um, mm. yeah, it, it's, they're, they're very, if you were going to continue, Neil, I'm just kind of feeding off what you said. It just, it's this, you know, uh, decades and couple thousands of years of just this infection of dominance and which is now financial dominance or financial greed that, that almost needs to be, uh, oh, uh, recalibrated or eviscerated maybe and I you know to say that that's going to happen away from the status quo where they've got all the momentum yeah greenwashing I mean it it's it's sort of uh business philanthropy to increase you know their bottom line and oh we're doing the, you know even with little symbols they put on their their packaging or their cans just to maintain oh it looks like they're doing the right thing you know and, and now they're buying up farmland along with Bill Gates, Monsanto, Ted Turner, all the billionaires, you know, and to say that they're going to regenerate and words have, words take on new meanings. You know, there's the regenerative movement that we're talking about, you know, from a grassroots uprising sort of holistic way, then they have their own definition of it. And, you know, uh, sort of, you know, the definition that they pitch at the, uh, through mainstream media, but then there's probably the, the, uh, the definition that they, you know, keep to themselves or with the, you know, billionaires inside and say, well, we're not really going to do this, you know. <laughs> what you say, uh, uh, Tom, is it, it, if companies can um, um, approach this also holistically, then, um, then, then, then there's a chance that they can be of, of huge value for this movement. But there is always something so when i started um, with marketing uh, one of my um, um, tutors said about mcdonald's that the reason why they sponsor a lot of sports sports um, um, events is because they want to also uh, want to um, um, tell the story about that um, uh, sport and movement body movement is healthy for your body mm. but the real reason is that they need you not to die because when you die you can't buy a hamburger anymore <laughs> so if you think about that and that's the same like last week they they launched in the netherlands earth today it's it's about um observing conservation nature by one a meter by a meter so you can buy or donate money for one square meter of nature and there's a, a company a young capital it's a, it's, a, it's a company for, for young people who want to have a job. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how you tell it, say it in English, outside bro. And um, their commercials are about earning a lot of money and buying a lot of stuff for status. That's the last years, their, their commercials. And now they say, okay, we support Earth Today with 250,000 square meter. Everyone is joyful and yeah, young capital, yes, 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 that's okay. But on the other hand, if they don't change their, their commercial message 
about working with and for young capital, that it's not only about earning a lot of money to buy a lot of stuff, I think it's not uh, uh, complementary to, 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 to both things. Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I never, I never thought I'd be coming on a podcast about um, regenerative practice to defend corporates, but bear with me. I'm going to try. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, we are where we are. Like, the, the, the balance of power now is with corporations, whether we like it or not. You know, above government institutions and individuals I mean much as the socialist in me would like to believe that this is going to begin with individuals and, you know, small indie local. It's, it's going to come from corporates. And I had a chat with a guy about this recently about whether, you know, business is a force for good. And, and, and this, this guy works with big corporations on the world. And he says, don't forget that a lot of these big corporations, Pepsi and, you know, shell um there are still individuals behind these companies corporations aren't individuals uh, sorry in, corporations are made up of individuals but in and of itself the brand is not an individual with motives that are simple as good bad or evil and it's kind of the greenwashing thing tom that you brought up like it, virtue signaling what you want to call it, it it does work like Huel, who make the, you know, powdered food, soylent green type stuff, nutritional replacement meal things. They've um, the other day flagged up, they've started um, subsidizing a, a regenerative farm down the road from them as a sort of, and I thought, well, oh, virtue signaling, but it tipped me over the edge of me because, you know what, I'll give them a try. And subsequently, I've been telling other people that they're doing it. And if that gets another person who would not normally knock around in these sort of circles like I do, trying something different and being interested in regeneration, that's a good thing. It's kind of like, it's that whole thing, doing the right thing for the right reasons or doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. And it's, I just think it's not as simple as right or wrong with corporations. And maybe we can use that vehicle of power and influence for good. I don't know what people think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, they, it's kind of, they, there is so much power wrapped up in those organizations Clearly, I mean, I, I like the reminder that you make there, Chris, about the that there are individuals behind, and also what you're saying, yeah, <laughs> the McDonald's motivation keeping you alive. Um, you know, clearly, and I, I know that's a kind of governmental problem too, actually, that they're stuck on the four or five year cycles. But actually, of course, ultimately, everybody's sort of incentive or kind of return is that you know things keep going, that there is something, that there, you know, there are people. There are people who are alive and well and healthy because that is ultimately kind of beneficial. And I guess it's whether you can harness that underlying truth to kind of affect a greater change. I'm going to have an abrupt ending because we have a next meeting. Yeah, so yeah, sorry, my I could have said this beforehand, but I didn't. <laughs> So oh, I thought we were going to get into moral philosophy for a minute. That was all next week, Chris. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do an extra XXL long session. Um, so sorry, Nils. Was there was there a question you wanted to leave us with? Uh, no, not really. Not really. Okay. No. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, there is an abrupt end um, yeah. to what sorry. is this conversation. But maybe this is where maybe we need to start next time around this the question of the big company uh, and how to kind of affect them. Because which kind of links to what you guys are doing on the farm. You know, how do you tell a story, which I think Chris, you'll be able to feed into. How do you tell a story to the hospital, which kind of makes them kind of inclined to support you so you can do the thing that you're trying to do. So there is the virtuous circle around yeah, that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's great. Okay, well.
Thank you all. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you all. <laughs> Until next week. Until next week. Uh, Bye. Bye. Bye.